Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and tune in. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30. You know, growing up in my family, we were like every other family. We had our share of struggles. As a teenager, I was a mess. I certainly was not who my family thought I was. I was hanging out with some teenagers who were outside of the conservative Old Order Mennonite circles that I grew up in. And this life that I was leading, this life that I was actually hiding, had become bigger than the facade of who I was pretending to be. I was still going to church. I was still involved in the youth events. I was working hard on the family farm, all the while hiding this life under the guise of a dress and a prayer covering. It was getting harder and harder to keep all the lies straight. If you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. And I knew I had to come clean with my parents before someone else did. As you can imagine, their hearts were broken. They gave me an ultimatum, break up with that boy or leave our home. I didn't choose the right answer, so they went with plan B, and they sent me to live with my oldest brother and his family. And one evening, I look out the window, and my brothers are standing out there, all three of them in a huddle talking, and I figured they were talking about me, right? And it just flew through me. I was full of anger and rage anyway, and I just thought, you know what? I'm done. I walked away from that window, grabbed a bag, packed a few things in it, called that boy, and I walked out the back door and out of their life. I didn't stop for a moment to count the cost. I didn't think of the long-term consequences of my actions. I just did what felt right in that moment. I had an I'll show them attitude. I had little regard for God, for my own self-worth, and I certainly had no regard for my family. Recently, I was reflecting on the chaos of my teenage life, and I had this realization. When my brothers were out there talking, I hadn't heard a word they said. I didn't hear what they were talking about. I just assumed they were talking about me, and instead of asking them, I just walked out of their lives and into a life that would lead to so much regret in the years to come. You see, before I walked out that night, there were a lot of little decisions that I made that led up to that big decision to walk away. Those little decisions I thought no one would ever find out about. I thought I was smarter than them. And those little decisions led to the big decision to walk away from those that loved me. And because of those decisions, my life has been laced with the flavor of regret. I don't have to tell you that looking back is difficult. It's sad to look back and be disappointed with ourselves. 
and maybe even disappointed with God. You may remember from last week the quote from the series, uh, Pastor Adrian used it last week, and I just have to go back there for a moment, where John Ortberg says, life is one of those games that we can only move in a forward direction. It never goes backwards. Life doesn't have a rewind button. However, when we bring the Lord into the equation, there is hope on the other side of our bad choices. The good news today is this. In Christ, there is hope on the other side of regret. Today we're focusing on avoiding one of the most common regrets people report as they near the end of life. I would have loved more deeply. I would have loved more deeply. We're exploring the importance of love as the guiding focus of life. Loving God and loving people, you'll find that love is the great antidote to regret. Today is about minimizing future regrets so that when we reach the end of our lives, we won't look back with the regret of, I wish I would have loved more deeply. So as we dig into this topic, I will be sharing three things today that I believe are going to help us understand why we don't love more deeply. Before we go there, though, we need to ask some questions of ourselves. We need to ask ourselves, what are we doing or not doing that would lead to regret? What are we doing with our time? What would those closest to us say about how we spend our time? You know, I believe to some extent all of our stories are laced with some regret. We live in a fallen world with imperfect people. If we could only go back. But I believe today that we can gain some new perspective. There is hope moving forward. And so I invite you to open your scripture, your copy of scripture today, Matthew 22, uh, verses 34 through 40. You can also pull that up on the YouVersion app. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is your first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So what is this love that he's talking about? You know, in the English language, we have one word for love. In Greek, there's four. So let's dig in to see what this word love is. And so this word for love in Greek is agape, agape, to love dearly, to welcome unconditionally, to love dearly and welcome unconditionally. Instead of what we shouldn't do, Jesus focuses on the law positively. Love God dearly and unconditionally. Love yourself dearly and unconditionally and love people dearly and unconditionally. 
when asked to boil all the commandments down, Jesus focused on one word, love. Love God, love yourself, and love people. Three things. Do them, and you will live a life fulfilled, empty of regret. But what does it mean to love God? This idea brings so many questions to mind. Ponder with me for a moment. These are questions that I continue to ask myself. And let me tell you, this has not been an easy journey. There's been a lot of reflecting as I've went through this in the weeks and months leading up. Do you love God with all your being? Do you love yourself? Is that allowed? Do you love others as yourself? How do you know? We think love is this big, broad thing, but you can tell your love behavior by the little things you do every day. Like how you talk to God, how often you talk to God, your attention to his word, your love for others, how you highlight sin or give undeserved grace, how you treat those people who can't do anything for you, how you love the clerk in the fast food drive through how you love your least favorite person you work with, how you love the teacher who treats you unfairly, how you love the police officer who stops you for speeding. Someone told me yesterday that they got pulled over and they told me the conversation and I said, you've got to know this, I had my message written before you told me that story. So why don't we love? We all know that love is important. And today we're looking at the why. If Jesus is saying that love is the most important thing, then where is the gap? Why don't we do it? Why don't we love unconditionally? I believe our next, the first point may be one right answer. We don't know how dearly we are loved. We don't know how dearly we are loved. I can only speak from my own experience of coming to understand how deeply I am loved by God, and I'm still learning. I started attending the Church of the Nazarene in 1995. Remember that rebellious kid I started out telling you about? Well, she grew up. I had grown older, but I still carried all the baggage. I showed up at church a vulnerable and broken young wife and mom. Steve and I had been married about five years. Sydney uh, was two and Olivia was nine months old. Yet, I felt so hopeless because of my past. For the next six months, I heard the message of the gospel and I would listen and think, there is no way that the Lord would save me. And the enemy reassured me that I had gone too far. Some of my theology played into that mindset as well. And I remember going to the Easter play in 1996. Some of you all were in that Easter play. 
And as I watched the life of Jesus played out, I heard the message that God did love me. That God loved me so much that he sent his one and only son for a sacrifice for all my sin. His one and only son to die as a sacrifice for all my sin. That night, a seed of hope broke open and started to take root that maybe God did love me. That Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross was enough. The blood that he shed on the cross covered all my sin. And I was hopeful for salvation for the first time in my life. I actually came back the next night and I watched again just to make sure I heard right. And then on Monday, the following Monday, I called, made an appointment with Pastor Kerry and asked him just to make sure. I repented of my sin that day and I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. To that point in my life, there had been one regret piled on top of another. But now I had a different perspective as a believer. I was beginning to understand how loved I was by God and by God's people. I still had regrets, but I had a way out from under them. Now you say, have you had any regrets since? Oh my, yes. Actually going through this, I've thought about a few people that I still need to have some conversations with. I need to go back and make some amends. As a matter of fact, in thinking about regrets, just a few weeks ago, I was having a conversation with a family member and I said something I could not believe came out of my mouth. Actually, I apologized right away. And then when they left and Steve looked at me and he says, I can't believe you just said that. I'm like, I can't either. And I went and I apologized a second time. I have learned, and one of the things I've learned is we cannot let those things fester. Learning to live without regret is a journey of growing that we will be on for the rest of our lives. I want you to listen to a little excerpt out of a devotional that I read called Salt and Life by Chris Ty Green as he sums up what loving God and loving your neighbor looks like. If you want to know God and if you want the world to know him, you will have to saturate in this love. It may seem uncomfortably selfish at times to bathe in the love of God so thoroughly and personally. But it's the only way you can become the vessel of love that he is creating you to be. You will be able to love others only to the extent that you experience his love for yourself. You will forgive others only to the extent that you've experienced forgiveness yourself. You will bless others only to the extent that you have understood blessings in your own life. Your capacity to love depends entirely on your capacity to receive it. It will shape your life more than any other force. Our love for God will be apparent in how we love people every day, always. This kind of love will only be possible when we rest in his deep love for us. So, what does it look like to love without regret? What does that look like to love without regret? And the second suggestion point um, today 
is that we make love about our feelings, but really love is defined by our actions. We make love about our feelings, but really love is defined by our actions. You can turn in 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to read uh, 3 through 8 and then verse 13. This poetic scripture is so well known for being read at weddings, right? However, that is not why the Apostle Paul was writing this letter to the church in Corinth. He actually wrote this letter in response to reports he was receiving about the church. They were really kind of a hot mess. They were just a mess. They were looking out for themselves. They had differences of opinions, different cultures. There were Jews and there were Greeks. There were I'm right, you're wrong kind of attitudes in the church. Let's just say they were living in ways that were bound to result in regret. To boil it all down, folks were not seeing eye to eye with each other. And Paul writes the scripture to address this behavior and inform the people of Corinth what it meant for a believer to love. That love was the high calling, that it was the most important thing. Listen to Paul's response to the church. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Verse 8, love never fails. You know, in our world, love is kind of a, a fuzzy word, right? The kind of love that Hollywood portrays, love is often interpreted about feelings, but this love that Jesus and the Apostle Paul are talking about is different. This type of love is an action. Being patient is a choice. It's an action, right? Being patient is a choice. It's not a feeling. Same with being kind. It's a choice. Choosing to be kind in the moment. It is the way we act. It is love in action. It's something we do. Love takes action to protect, to hope, to trust, to persevere. And then there's one translation of this verse that says, love bears all things. Love bears all things? I was really having trouble grasping this idea that love bears all things. What does that mean? So I looked up the Greek word for bear. It's actually the same word in Mark 2 where they make a hole in the roof to bring the paralytic down so Jesus can heal him. It's that word. It's the same word. The word is stego. The idea is to roof over. Roof over. To cover with silence. Endure patiently. Forbear to suffer. Although commonly understood to mean that love can bear hardship of any kind, Paul is saying that love covers all things like a roof 
covers the house. I was sitting here before the service and I looked up at this. We see the underneath of it, but there's a roof that is covering us right now. There's a lot of framework up there that bears everything on top of it and protects everything under it. So what does it mean to look like a roof, to bear all things? One commentary I read made this statement, and I thought, I have to share this today. Love protects, it bears, it does not bear. Don't you love the English language? <laughs> love protects, it bears, it does not bear. Love bears all things by protecting others from exposure, ridicule, and harm. And this was my initial thought when I dug into this slide. Please don't judge me. Love might be a roof, but this sounds a little bit like a doormat. We're just going to protect everybody. That's good, right? But as I studied it, I began to realize that I needed a clearer picture of this love, and the Lord is faithful. This love that bears all things, it sees everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, this type of love does not put its head in the sand and ignore problems or challenges, yet it does not expose the shortcomings of others. This type of love also guards against anger, discouragement, and resentment in our own hearts when we get discouraged with ourselves and with others. You know, love sometimes has to bear pain from a distance. Love does not give up hope but hopes for victory in others. In Celebrate Recovery, we call these healthy boundaries. We become a covering for those who are struggling. We don't expose their shortcomings. Instead of focusing on what is wrong, this agape seeks to believe the best. It does not give up hope. It always perseveres. This love never fails. And if you've been failed by love, it wasn't love, at least not how God defines it. And finally, verse 13, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Did you hear that? Love is the greatest of all virtues. Nothing will ever surpass it. A life loving deeply as God loves is a life without regret. So what gets in the way? What are our regrets? And the final point today is this. We don't give love the final word. We don't give love the final word. When we reach the end of our life, it is unlikely that we will look back and wish that we would have worked more, that we would have been more productive. When we look back, we are most likely to judge our life based on our relationships with God, of course, and with those around us. What counts is how we loved. And that final point, we don't give love the final word. We don't give love the final word. As I prepare to close today, I want to share a story of God's grace. 
I started out by telling you where the regrets began to pile up in my life, right? Over the years after I came to Christ, I stayed in communication with my parents, building back that relationship a little at a time. The one, that relationship I had left in ruins, we began to rebuild it. Over the years, the conversations were so hard. <laughs> in December 2018, mom became ill and needed home care. And I was invited back in to help care for her the last year of her life. And I tried to spend time remembering the good times, telling the stories that we could laugh about that brought us both joy. And I was reliving this story. I was, I don't know, I, I, it was over Christmas time. I'm thinking I was probably, well, I wasn't old enough to be left home alone. But I was left home alone, and I think it was actually at my grandmother's viewing. I don't know why they left me home alone. But anyway, it's Christmas time. And I noticed that some of our neighbors had lights in their windows at Christmas. And I thought, hey, that would be really cool. I could just do this while, you know, I'm here. I'll put some lights in the windows. And so I get the candles and the matches because we didn't have electricity. I didn't know, you know, this idea of Christmas lights being electric. Um, that was not a, anything in my mind. And so I'm going around, and I'm lighting these candles, and I hear this snap, and then I hear this crackling noise. I'm like, that's not good. And I go running into the kitchen, and the flames of the candle and the window frame had become one. And flames are leaping up past the window. The window's broken. Thank goodness it was the window right over the kitchen sink. I was able to get the fire out. And I'm sharing this story, and... I'm laughing at this memory, and when I look at Mom, she wasn't laughing. She looked at me and said these words I will never forget. I don't know why we left you home alone. I don't know why we didn't protect you. She needed to let me know at the end of her life that she had regret. I had no idea how bad I needed to hear that apology. It was such a healing moment for both of us. And a few weeks later, we were having another conversation. It was a yet deeper conversation. And she said to me, you know, Margaret, if we want to be forgiven, we have to forgive each other, don't we? And I said, yes, we do. And in that moment, we were laughing and crying at the same time in unity, not at each other. You see, in the game of life, Mom and I had both made moves we wish we had not made. And we lost years because of it. I've had so many regrets in my life, and I figured I would carry them all to my grave. But God was gracious. And he gave us healing moments. And you know what? He wasn't quite finished. He opened the door for me to have a deeper conversation. And I helped mom come to a place of peace just weeks before she passed. I'm so grateful that we stayed in the hard conversation. And I believe some of you will make a phone call this afternoon. Maybe you'll write a letter. 
Maybe you'll send an email or a text. This will be your first act of stopping a formation of regret. Some of you will make a decision not to give up on a difficult relationship. Showing up is so important. The hard part is this. There may not be reconciliation for years. It was 32 years before we fully reconciled. But whatever God is speaking to you, he will see you through it. Trust God today and take the next step to prevent any further regret. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful today that you love us. Help us to receive your love. Help us to believe that we are loved. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you that we don't walk alone today, that you are with us and you are for us. May your Holy Spirit guide and direct us as we take next steps. May we learn to live in your love and as a result be a vessel of your love to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord for all that he has done for us. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.